I want to speak to you on a subject called truth. The art of biblical persuasion. You hear a lot of people talk about, you know, God is sovereign. Therefore, man cannot really have a free will because whatever God wants, God gets. So man really doesn't have a choice. God just really manipulating all of us so that we, in the long run, wind up doing exactly what he wants us to do anyway. And so he just makes us think that you're making your own decisions, but really you're not really making your decisions. Whatever will be, will be. No. I um, want you to know that this week they've been having March for Truth. Hear it on the radio, TV. They've been talking about it. It's on the papers. Marching for Truth. Well, I believe that uh, we ought to have a March for Truth, but biblical truth. Not fake news, but things that are real. Yesterday I, um, I looked at this uh, book because, you know, we have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. And there's books between the Old Testament and the New Testament in about 400 years of history. Well, those are called the pseudepigrapha books or the homologumala books, or you can call them the apocryphal books, but they're all in that period of time. And when I was in Bible college in 1964, along with Hank Lindstrom, uh, we knew about some of this stuff, and Dr. Lindstrom taught a course on biblical introduction, where he would go through and he would explain how we got our Bible in the Old Testament, New Testament, and the books in the middle. But there are some historical records there, but um, they're not in the canon of Scripture. In other words, they're not divinely inspired of God, so therefore they're not in our Bible. Now, in the, um, and I read this yesterday, buried deep in the apocryphal book of First Ezra, the story of three men, hand-picked by the king, to compete in a national riddle contest. The riddle was, what is the strongest thing in the world? Now, don't you read ahead. Don't let your eyes go below the line that I'm on. That's the devil. <laughs> and you don't want him to persuade you to do something that you shouldn't do. So, number one, the first contestant smiled as he stood before the king and the overflow gathering. He spoke loudly and confidently, strong wine. He argued, is the strongest fourth known to man. Its power can control and confuse the best of men. So, there you got it. And the crowd cheered. Number two. The second contestant proudly contended that he had found an even stronger force. The king. He said, he is far greater than wine. He alone wills power among the nations. Kingdoms far and wide bow to his authority. So it's, it's the king. He's the strongest. The third contestant addressed the crowd. There is one thing that surpasses the influence of wine and the power of our king. He says, it is truth. Truth is stronger than anything. Truth endures and lasts forever. Long after the wine dissipates and long after a king's rule ends. Truth lives on and prevails forever and ever. So it must be truth. But the Bible says Jesus made the statement, He is truth. Study truth. Know truth. So there must be an awful lot of power in truth. Now, 
The next statement, truth does indeed prevail. It has no expiration date, no time limit, no end at all. It is the only commodity in the universe that's as fresh today as it was in the beginning, and nothing in the future will change it. Truth is truth. Therefore, it's no surprise that Jesus would say to the Father, Thy word is truth. The word of God lasts for how long? It's truth. The most important thing is truth. Knowing the truth. You and I, born into this world, are going to have to face a decision sooner or later about, is there or is there not a God? Do you want to know the truth? Some people don't really want to know the truth. They're afraid of the truth. What if there really is a God? And creation is true. And that you and I were created by God. And you and I are responsible to God. That would scare you to death. What if there really is a heaven? What if there really is a hell? What if it's true? Or you got to come to the conclusion, well, well, there is no God and Therefore, evolution is true, and that we're all the product of some, uh, you know, on an evolutionary ladder from simple forms of life to more complex forms of life, and here we are. We evolved. Is that the truth? It's amazing that during this last election, how many people are always wanting to find the truth? What did he know, and when did he know it? You ever hear those phrases? And what about this fake news? If it's fake news, that means it's not, it's not true. So we want to know the truth. And so far, we've had a lot of people making a lot of accusations on about a lot of things. And we've got to have an investigation upon an investigation upon another investigation. Because we want to get to the bottom of this. We want to know the truth. We demand to know the truth. Do you really think all of this is about really knowing the truth? I really don't. I don't think they really want to know the truth at all. I think there's a lot of people who want to try to manipulate the minds of people and cause them to believe what they want them to believe regardless of the truth, regardless of the facts. Isn't it true that you and I live at a time when we want to do what we want and justify whatever it is and call it the truth? Because what is truth? It all depends on your perspective. If it's right for you, then that's truth for you. And if it's truth for him, that's fine for him. And everybody just do your own thing. And whatever you believe, that's fine. Let everybody believe whatever they want to believe. Okay? But is that what God really wants? Everybody just believe whatever you want to believe. And just let every man do that which is right in his own eyes. Don't that just sound so wonderful? But is that the truth? Or does God give to man truth and expects man to learn and to study truth and to live truth? Is the devil real? Well, what's the truth? If God is true and God says there is a devil, I got news for you. There is a devil. And because the word of God is true, I believe what the word of God says is truth. And so things that are contrary to what the Word of God says, I believe is not true. The Word of God is truth. Somewhere along the line, you and I have to be persuaded of whatever we believe. And that's why the art of persuasion, the art of biblical persuasion, 
persuading people to believe truth. That's really the preacher's job, trying to persuade people to believe the truth. Parents are supposed to try to teach their kids the truth. Even in politics, we're supposed to be about truth. Justice, you know, it's the American way. But is everything about the search for truth? Do we really want to know truth? Now, I um, got another little statement down here. Martin Luther made this statement, but I, uh, mine was a little bit different. Martin Luther thought like this. He says, often he says, I study my Bible in the same way I gather apples. First, I shake the whole tree that the ripest may fall. Then I shake each limb. And when I have shaken each limb, I shake every branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. In other words, he must be looking for every apple that's on the tree. Wouldn't you come to that conclusion? I don't see anything wrong with that. When I first trusted Christ as my Savior, I saw this great big old book. And I did not know the Bible. I didn't know there was an Old Testament or a New Testament. I didn't know there were different books in the Bible. And I'm 18 years old living in Christian America. But you see, I wasn't raised in church. I never saw my mom and dad in a church. I, I never saw them have prayer. I, I never saw them read the Bible. I didn't know anything about God. So you can't just say, well, everybody knows that. No, no, I didn't know that. And I find out, lo and behold, there's a lot of people that didn't know that. But after I heard the truth of the gospel about I could have eternal life and I'd become a child of God, I trusted Christ as my Savior and I knew I had eternal life and knew I was going to heaven when I died. But look at this great big old book. So I approached this book like you would, where you would want to go get apples out of a tree. But what I do, I would just, well, I first of all tried to just get all the apples that were in reach. You know, whatever was in reach. I'd get those first. And then I would take a vehicle and then hit the trunk of the tree and let the more fall. And then I would climb the tree and find the, the limb that I could shake and get some more. And then get out further on the limb and shake a branch. I never did look underneath the leaves. I figure by the time I'd done all that, I didn't got all the apples that I wanted. When you come to the Bible, there's a lot in the Bible you will not reach. But get what is within reach. Learn the truth that you can. Because when you go to the Bible to study the Bible, you're going to study truth. Get all that you can that's within reach. That's easy for you to reach. Easy to understand. Learn all the truths that you can. Learn a verse like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should fall. That's a good apple off the tree. And another good apple that I would try to get is 1 John 5.13. And there's verses in the Bible that are within reach that would really be good for you and help you to grow in the Lord. And then later on, you'll come across a lot of these verses. You can't reach them because you, you just don't understand them. A lot of verses. They're like trying to tackle a gristle. So just leave it go. Keep reading the scriptures. And lo and behold, you'd be surprised how much food there is for you to eat. 
and you begin to eat a little bit more and reach a little bit more, you get a little bit stronger, and then that one verse that you didn't understand, well, lo and behold, this verse explained it, and this verse explained that one, and that one explained this one, and it's a network, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Because, you see, as you study the Bible, you're studying truth. If you don't study the truth, you'll live your whole life as a lie. Your whole life. Wouldn't it be a shame to live your whole life as a lie? Because you didn't know the truth, you could not believe the truth, and you could not live the truth. And there's a multitude of people that are just like that. Now, I have here on the bottom part of these notes, we persuade with truth. I got the little dictionary. I got a little things here. And I thought, I might as well just make you some notes. Of it. I could just read all of this and you not get anything. But you'll remember it better if you can see it and take it home with you. Persuasion is an umbrella term of influence. Persuasion can attempt to influence a person's beliefs, attitudes, intentions, motivations, or behaviors. To induce, urge, prevail upon successfully. To cause to believe. To convince. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful motive of life? Your power in life is your ability to persuade by your influence in the life of somebody else. Because that's what life is about. Your power of influence in someone else's life. Some people have no power in anybody's life because they can't persuade anybody to their views. Either because of their attitude or their way of life. Maybe nobody wants it. But if you study the truth, it ought to make you stand out like a sore thumb. Because there's something to this art of persuasion. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of um, Luke 16. Luke in chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Now understand, we are to persuade. If whatever will be, will be. If God has already determined all the decisions of man, then we don't have the ability to persuade anybody of anything. But it is possible that you and I, by reasoning, by the motive, by the way we live, everything about us, can persuade somebody else to make a decision. One of the most powerful things that we have going for us is if we know the truth. The truth. This is why if you don't study the Bible, you think you know truth. You hope you know truth. But if you don't live for the Lord after you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you believe a lie. That's why you live a lie. Only a person who believes truth, knows truth, understands truth, can live truth. To live the way God wants you to live. To believe the way God wants you to believe. Now here in the book of Luke in chapter 16, there's a little story. You may have heard this story before, but I want you to see the importance of persuasion. You'll notice in verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There came a beggar named Yankee, uh, Lazarus, which was laid in his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Came to pass, the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. 
The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Two men, one rich, one poor. Is it because the rich man was rich, and that's why he went to hell? And the poor man was poor, and that's why he went to heaven? No, that's not the reason. How much they had in this life is not the reason that determined their destination. But he says the uh, rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, been in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried unto Father Abraham, Send Lazarus that he may come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said in verse 25, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. In other words, in this life, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is the worst it will ever get for you. Because after this, it's heaven. A man who doesn't trust Christ as Savior may have everything in the world and he's comforted and has everything he needs. All the comforts of home. But when he dies, it's hell for all eternity. So who wins? Who loses? The man who trusts Christ as Savior always wins. The man who rejects Christ loses. But whatever will be, will be. Well, wait a minute. Does God give us a free will, a the ability to choose. When Christ says go into all the world and preach the gospel, it's because there within that message is the art of persuasion. The power to be able to convince a person to change their mind and trust Christ as their Savior. Repent means change your mind. Reconsider. Think differently. If you're an unbeliever, we're supposed to take that which can help an unbeliever Change his mind to repent and to reconsider and accept Christ. That is a persuasion, the art of persuading. I've had people say, well, I never try to persuade anybody against their beliefs. I do. If what they believe is not true, I want them to know the truth and believe the truth because the truth is what's important. And when a man dies... Where he spends eternity is because did he or did he not hear the truth and believe the truth. If a man believes that he can save himself by his good works, is that truth or is that a lie? That's a lie. To tell a lost man he has to go to church to go to heaven, that's a lie. To tell a lost man that he has to change the way he's living in any way, that's a lie. To tell him he has to give money to go to heaven, that's a lie. You see, none of that's the truth. You say, well, what is the truth? It's free. Christ paid your price so that you can have eternal life and you can go to heaven whenever you die. Most important thing in all the world. Know the truth. Now look what else he says here. In verse 26, and beside all this between us and you, there is a great golf fix. Everything that Jesus says right here, this is not a parable. What he's saying is, this is the truth. The Lazarus, well, he died. The rich man, well, he died. Uh, uh, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, a place of paradise, but the rich man was in hell. All this is the truth. This is life after death. This is the truth. I asked a man one time, I said, where are you going to go when you die? He says, Tennessee. 
I said, did you understand my question? He said, I understood. He said, I believe that when you die, you just go to the grave and that's it. I says, do you know that that's the truth? How do you know that's true? Have you died before? He said, well, of course not. I said, then you don't know that's the truth, do you? Are we really interested in truth? Do you really want to know the truth? Look at this. He says, we cannot go from one to the other. In verse 27, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house. So here's a man in hell, wanting Abraham to send Lazarus to his father's house. How did he even know anything about how you could maybe keep from coming to this place? He must have known that Lazarus knew something about how to keep from coming to this place. Is it possible that as Lazarus laid there at the gate of the rich man's palace, that he might have occasionally talked to this rich man, and the rich man refused to hear, refused to listen, but he knew that he knew something that he doesn't know. He believes something he doesn't believe. This man is in a place that he's not. He's in another place, in a place of torment. That's the truth. Now, a person can try to dismiss all of this. I don't believe in this thing of heaven and hell. Well, I might believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The one who told about heaven is the same one who told about hell. Jesus, Jesus, sweet little baby Jesus, everybody worship little sweet little baby Jesus. He's the one who tells the story. It's not a parable. It means it's the truth. And if it was a parable, a parable of what? Then reality is even worse. But he makes this statement. He said, I want you send him to my father's house. Now, why does he want this guy to go to his father's house? Because he wants him to hear something. He says in verse 28, For I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. So he knew that Lazarus knew something that could keep his five brothers from coming to this place. Because the man that's in hell don't want his family there. I've had people say, well, if my dad went to hell and I want to go down there and be with him. Oh, that's great. Your dad really wants you there with him. And what do you think you're going to do? Comfort him while he's down there? Well, we'll get together and air-condition the place. Huh? Did you know the Bible says they're like wandering stars in the midst of blackness forever? You don't see each other in hell. There's no light there. No light. It's darkness And he says this, lest they come to this state of mind, no place of torment. It's a place of torment. Why would Jesus say this unless it's the truth? Do people really want to know the truth? Now, when I read this years ago, I just happened to believe that he told the truth. So I didn't want my mama to go to hell. And I didn't want my stepdad to go to hell. And I didn't want my brother to go to hell. And I didn't want my sister to go. I didn't want none of my relatives to go to hell. But as far as I knew, none of them had ever been witnessed to before. As I know of, I was the only one, the first one of all of our relatives that ever heard about this, of how to have eternal life. And I determined I'm going to witness to as many as I can. And I want as many as I possibly can to Christ. As I know of, they've all trusted the Lord. <laughs> my relatives too. But it only took about 40 years. But as far as I know, they've, they're all getting in. 
And now they've gotten, some of these have gotten kids and got grandkids. But unless they come. Now get this. I need somebody to go and to testify. Look what he says in verse 29. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. So we know that this is referring back to that period of time. Because generally you have the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And those three classes. This could have been way before of whenever this took place. But there must be something in the scriptures, in the law, and in the prophets, of what Moses said, of how they can have and understand how to keep from going to this place. But whatever it was, there has to be something that they would say that others would hear and be persuaded. The art of persuasion. You cannot make people want to know truth. Some people don't care what the truth is. Leave me alone. If I go to hell, it's up to me. Don't preach to me. If I want to hear preaching, I'll go to church. I heard every bit of this. And a lot of people I had to just leave alone. But it would hurt inside because you just didn't want people to reject Christ as their Savior. Now note what it says. In verse 30, he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. That means they will change their mind. They can be persuaded. Because they'll be persuaded if a person comes from the dead. And Jesus says they will not be persuaded though a person came from the dead. See what he says there in verse 31. He said to them, if they hear not Moses and the prophet. If you don't believe the truth of what the word of God says, you're not going to be persuaded if you saw a miracle. I've heard people say, well, if God's real, I want him to show me a miracle. That'll really convince them. No, it won't. If truth won't convince you, nothing will convince you. Because how do you know that that miracle wasn't something done by the devil and deceived you? I've had people, and I've visited in hospitals and so on, and I've had the little lady laying there in the bed, and she hasn't got much time to live, and I'll go in there to see her to have prayer with her, and she says, I saw Jesus last night. He appeared to me at the foot of my bed, right where you're standing. Now, I could either say, lady, you're out of your helmet. You had too many onions on your hamburger last night. But I do not believe them. I do not believe. You say, well, I don't because I don't believe Jesus does that. And when he comes back, he says, the light will shine as far as the east is from the west. And you'll know, he says, many shall come in my name and say, blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I do not trust the imagination of people. I don't care how innocent and sincere you may be. I've read about and I've heard about little stories where, oh, this kid was, well, he, he died and he went to heaven. He came back and he saw heaven. He did not and he didn't go. Stop believing all of that stuff. They make movies on all that stuff. They write books on all that stuff. Here's the truth. Know the truth. Truth will set you free from believing all the philosophies of man. But if you don't know the truth, you cannot discern the error. And so many people, God's people today, do not read and study the Word of God. Listen to me. If I was you, if I was you, and I wanted to know the truth. Boy, if Preacher Arnold had a Sunday school class on Sunday mornings, you know what I'd do? Man, I'd be there. Because he knows the Bible, and I want to learn the Bible. Boy, if I could come and study on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, man, if Preacher Arnold's preaching the Bible, I know he knows the Bible, and I want to learn the truth, but I'll be there. Majority of Christians don't want to know truth. 
They want to live their life. Let me alone. Let me do whatever I want to do. And therefore, if I don't know my responsibilities, ignorance is bliss, and I can't feel guilty if I can't do anything, don't know anything, and therefore I can just probably, yeah, go through life that way. And live your whole life as a lie. And one day when you get to heaven, God's going to reward you according to what you did concerning truth. Not a lie. It won't matter what your intentions were, your motives were, and all the rest of it. Did you or did you not know the truth? Did you live for the truth? This is why some of God's people, listen to me. I know I'm raking you over the cold, but that's okay. You need it once in a while. Every once in a while. Once a year, I do this. If I die and you look in my church, you're going to find tracks. If you don't find any tracks, it must be another guy, probably not me. Because I don't feel like I'm prepared unless I've got some tracks on me. And I like to leave seeds and plant seeds. It's because I want to persuade people. Now, I wrote a little thing down here because I believe that I am in the persuading business. I like to persuade people. Persuading people. I want to persuade the lost man to trust the Lord. Persuade the lost man to trust the Lord. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. And I want to do a good thing. So if I want to persuade a lost man to trust the Lord, then I've got to give him the truth. And the truth is, does he have to turn from all of his sins to be saved? No. So I leave that out. Why? Because that's not part of the gospel. I don't tell him that he has to make Christ the Lord and the master of his life and promise to serve God. Because that's a lie. That's not the truth. After you trust Christ as your Savior, yes, as a child of God, yeah, I should take and live a clean life, and I should dedicate my life to the Lord and serve the Lord with all my heart. I should do all that. But I don't do that to go to heaven. I don't do that to get saved. I don't make promises to God that I cannot keep. Salvation is receiving. That's the truth. He that believeth on me hath, present and hath, right now, hath everlasting life. If you believe it, you have everlasting life. What about those who trusted Christ as Savior? Well, I want to try to convince a person who trusts the Lord that they ought to get baptized and follow the Lord in baptism. Not to be saved, but because they're God's child. That's a step of obedience. I want them to obey God. And that's the truth. I want believers to be witnesses. I want you to learn how to tell people how to have eternal life. I want to teach you. This is why when you see me do that little wallet thing, that little wallet trick, I don't know why it's a trick. Nothing happens. But when I show you that, I try to do it exactly the same way every time. That way you learn it. Have you noticed that I do it the same way every time? Over and over and over again, and you will think in your mind, the devil comes out, that's all he knows. That's all he knows is that little wallet trick. So therefore, now I know that, well, that's the most important thing he ever says. And I already know that, so I don't need to come here or anything else. And the devil works on you and persuades you not to witness. They don't want to hear it anyway. They've already heard it a thousand times. They ain't going to like you. You're going to lose your job. All kind of things. Next thing you know, they persuade you. On your job, you have a job of persuading. It's the same thing in everything that we do. It's just like we want people and we try to persuade people. Persuade. Because, you see, a person can be of this frame of mind. Well, we want them to have this frame of mind. We want you to believe the truth. So we want you to believe that 
The ministries we have here at Calvary Community Church are worthy of your financial support. Do you believe that? Do you believe the ministries of this church are worthy of financial support? If we want to persuade you that it is, then we want you to do it. Support it. How many of y'all enjoy our choir? Let me see here. Don't dare not raise your hand. I mean, because we got a camera up here and it's already been zoomed all over. But let me ask you this. What if God in heaven blessed you with a great voice and then you won't help? Peter needs some help in the choir. And you could do it. Should we have to, like, pull in teeth, beg, plead, whine? My daughter, one day I was whining about something. She says, you want crackers with that? And so we want people to do it. Wouldn't it be better if you did because you wanted to? Well, I have to. Peter just wore me down. Or do it because you love the Lord. We want to persuade you that is a worthy cause. It's a blessing to people. It's people that watch on the internet and around the world that are blessed because of our choir. And I'm thankful for it. We want to persuade you to believe, hey, this is worthy. Or to help with the youth. Or to help in Sunday school. To help in everything that we do. Everything's important. But we're always in the art of persuading individuals. We want to help you in another area. You know when we have communion service, we're trying to persuade a person to examine their life. Because the Bible says in the book of Corinthians in chapter 11 about examining yourselves and the things that you do. Have you been persuaded to serve the Lord and that this helps you to remember why you serve the Lord? And you know and understand that Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for your sins because he took our sins upon his own body on the tree and he died for us. And the Bible says that the lust of the, I should say, the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. Leviticus 17, 11. And the blood is shed because he gave his life. Do you remember why he did all of that? He says, so that you will not forget and you'll look forward to his coming so that it might help you to live for him in the meantime. Remember where you came from. Remember where you're going. You're a child of God. You're going to heaven. If God came into this room, what could he say that would motivate you, persuade you to love him with all your heart? What do you love more than God? Who do you serve more than God? What do you serve more than God? You see, unless you've been persuaded by something that isn't true. Otherwise, why wouldn't we all believe the truth? We all would want to want the same thing for each other. Because see, you want to persuade other believers to love the Lord. Best way to do that is... You love the Lord. And to convince other people they ought to give, they ought to give. 
Have you ever noticed when we take up the offering, every time the guys come down here on Sunday morning, before they leave, the first thing that I do is I do what? I pull up my offering and I put it in. I want you to know I give faithfully every week. I give faithfully. I have always given more than a tithe. People always have trouble with a tithe. I never had trouble with a tithe. I'm not under the law. I just believe it's a good way to give. So I've always wanted to give more under grace than I'd give under law. And so I always give more. A tithe and an offering on top of it. I've done it all my life, my Christian life, for 57 years. Because I believe it's right. I believe it's the truth. The truth. Otherwise, uh, there's a quarter, Lord. I hope you can get something with that. I wouldn't dare live in a nice house and drive a nice car and rob God. Now, some people are not persuaded that that's important. It is important. Everything that's truth is important. And that's why I want to encourage you, persuade you. If you're here and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to persuade you. I want you to trust the Lord because, see, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, I believe the truth is you're going to die. And the truth is, you're going to spend an eternity separated from God. And hell is hot and eternity is long. Wouldn't it be a shame to be wrong so long? And you could have known the truth. But see, God doesn't force anybody to believe. That's a choice he gave to us. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now he hates our sin but he loves us. So because of the payment Christ made, yeah we can go to heaven. But the payment we make can never pay for sin. Because see the payment for sin is death. And to go to heaven we have to be without sin. So how are we going to, this is impossible. So God says you cannot save yourself. It means you can't pay your debt. Your good works won't pay the debt. So he says Jesus Christ, who's God in the flesh, this hand representing Jesus Christ, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, but because they separate us from him. So Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. said the only thing we have to do is believe he did this for us, and he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. That's the best news in all the world. And this is the truth. Eternal life, going to heaven, it's free. Christ paid for it. Gives it to you. All you had to do is accept it. Believe it. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. It's the only way you can know you're going to heaven when you're dying. If it depended upon how good you lived, forget it. You haven't got a chance. But when I trusted Christ as my Savior, God gave to me the free gift. And he said he'd never cast me out and never lose me. That was the best news I ever heard. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. I'm not God. I can't save anybody. This church can't save you. But right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask in just a moment. Hopefully, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, hopefully, I persuaded you to trust Him. So I don't know if you did or not. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer with an upraised hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting. You say, Preacher, I will right now accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And friend, if you will do that, 
Would you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and putting it right back down? Is there anyone at all? No one at all. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, yes, you're God's child. You're going to heaven. And because you're going to heaven, you're, you're his child. And in this world, in this life, there's things that God wants us to do. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to partake of the Lord's Supper for every one of God's children. But he also wants you to examine yourself. Are there things in your life that you need to correct? Things you need to talk to the Lord about? Confess things to him. Keep a clean slate between you and your heavenly father. He loves you. And he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't do it to go to heaven, but because we want to enjoy the fellowship with the Lord. This time of peace and happiness and purpose. Let God persuade you with truth. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.